Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Yes, it is. It's film reviews and movie news with me, Stuart Pink. And as always, the man who thought Amazon Prime was a new character in the Transformers franchise. It's Mark Searby. Hello. Um, Hello. (laughs) Or how Jeff Bezos was doing. No, no, no. Transformers. Yes, yes, I like that. Amazon Prime. Uh, Optimus is Prime. Optimus Prime's. Um, oh, Brazilian sidekick cousin. Uh, cousin, yeah, long distance cousin. Long distance um, cousin. Yes, they haven't um, met him yet because there's a lot, lot of land between. There the is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and... I always wonder why the Transformers landed in America and everybody went anywhere else today. They've come from a different planet and they're always in America. Well, that's a good question. I'm sure. That probably in the original cartoon, there are moments where they go to other countries. Um, I mean, they never heard of a P&O cruise ship. You know? I mean, could you imagine a Transformer on a, on a cruise ship? I mean, the, the, the ship would yeah. buckle over. Um, no, I mean, they've got big, big uh, storage facilities nowadays, don't they? Well, yeah, I guess so. As you're yeah. packing them on. I've, I mean, customs I, form. I have to say, I've not really thought about it. And already, I mean, you know, it's early afternoon on a Friday and you, you're bringing the big questions here. It's, yeah, it's a lot to think about. There. It's a lot to think about. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't do expecting you this. Transformer? <laughs> well, you can't fly them. They can fly themselves. Well, yeah, that's the thing. So it's only the ones that have got wheels that you have to get across water, basically. Yeah. Now, obviously, some of them are boats. So we've got oh, that's that. true. That's fine. Yeah, they can just turn themselves into boats and they're off. Some of them can, but you know, I don't know if there's a, a cruise ship transformer. I've got to be honest. A really big transformer that transforms all of them onto a cruise ship. They just have to become small minis rather than big trucks. Well, for don't forget that there was um, that Decepticon that all linked together, wasn't it? Um, oh, yeah. From the, from the smaller ones. So that would be okay. That could get over water because it would just walk over water, basically. Well, walk through the water. But with the Autobots, I don't I don't think there was anything like that, was there? No. I mean, Brexit's hard enough at the border. We don't need any more complications. <laughs> to... <Making laughs> the paperwork for that. Oh. Imagine Transformers all waiting at the border. Come on. <laughs> Come on. We've, we've got the... Um, what are the cubes called? I'm trying to think what they were now. Um, oh, yeah. Energizers. Energizer cubes. We've got the energizer cubes. Yeah, but, you know, look. They come under food produce. Or yeah. Something, <laughs> you know, there's new regulations now. <laughs> where, where do we put it? Oh, we'll just have to hold it for a bit longer then. Yeah, yeah. If you can just go and uh, if you can just park yourself off at that uh, lorry park in Kent, that would be great. Thank yeah. you. Operation stack. Well, we're here to save the world. Oh, well, uh, well, you have to wait your turn like everybody yeah. else. You're not special. <laughs> How are you, Mark? I'm very good, thank you. Um, but I've got some... Uh, uh, it's not sad news. It's just news that I guess should have been expected. Um, oh, oh. We've got more postponements with films. Oh, not postponements, okay. scheduling shifts, shall we okay. say. Changes in our schedule. Yes, so yes. these films relate to Disney movies. So... What we have now is uh, Cruella, the live action film that was meant to come out at the end of May, has now been moved to Disney Plus and is actually going to still be released at the end of May, which is great. So oh. Friday, the 28th of May, nice. um, it is basically going to be on Disney Plus, but premium access. You have to pay for it again. Okay. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Fair enough. Fair Black enough. Widow, which obviously was meant to be <clears throat> in cinemas here in the UK at the start of May. However, cinemas won't be open in time. Black Widow will now be in cinemas and on Disney Plus Premium Access on Friday the 9th of July. Ooh, that's not that long. It's not that long. So basically, you have the option. If you don't have Disney Plus uh, and you don't want to pay the extra whatever it is, I think it's like $19.99, isn't it, premium access, you can still go to the cinema. So it's going to be in cinemas or it's going to be on Disney Plus if you want to stay at home. So we've got those. Um, A film that I was really looking forward to seeing on the big screen because it looks amazing is the... um, Disney Pixar film Luca. It looks amazing. Luca. So that was going to be in cinemas uh, on 18th of June. It is now going to be only on Disney Plus Premium Access on the 18th of June. Ah, so, so it's still got the release date, but it's on Disney Plus. It's so skipping the cinema stage altogether. They are, yes, um, yeah. What that they seems also to favour that. For the kids' films, don't they? That seems to be a, the, a trick. I, I'm not sure if if they're doing it just for the kids' films or not. I think they're just getting to a point where they're like, well, look, we've yeah. got to get this film out. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> it's Yeah, otherwise we're going to have problems later on. And this is the problem that we've got yeah. now. So those few films, and certainly Black Widow, with it obviously shifting to the 9th of July, means that the other Marvel film that was coming out earlier which is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, has now moved back to the 3rd of September, which is going to be in cinemas, not going to be on Disney+. Plus. Ah, okay. So that's going to be there. Other films that have moved, other Disney movies that have moved, Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds, is now 13th of August in cinemas. Okay, what was that? Is that a lot, that big shift? Uh, well, it was meant to be out last year. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and then it was meant okay. to be out. That's, that's quite a big shift. Um, I think it was going to be the 17th of May. So the week cinemas are scheduled to reopen. Yeah. Now it's the 13th of August. So, you know, mm. not a huge move, but it's gone to the summer. You know, he's a free guy. He can move how he likes. Oh, I like it. I like it. Oh, oh. The King's Man, which is the prequel to The Kingsman. Oh, OK. Just okay. one of them. Yes, uh, that has now moved to the 22nd of December this year. Oh, oh, wow, just about this year. That was meant to be out last year. Oh, my God. February last year. It's going to be a bit out of date, isn't it? It's it's going to be a long time. It's going to be a long time. Yes. Um, If you think that was a long time, Deep Water, which is the film I'm really looking forward to. Uh, it's directed by Adrian Lin, who, by the way, is 80 years old and is still directing. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, British director Adrian Lin has adapted the Patricia Highsmith novel, Deep Water. It's got Ben Affleck and Amma de Armouris in there. Oh, lovely Amma. Oh, we liked Amma. Yes. I do, yes. Um, it's a psychological thriller. I haven't seen the trailer. I'm just really excited because it, it just sounds amazing. That has now moved to the 14th of January, 2022. Oh, kicked it into next year. If you thought that was bad. Director's not getting any younger. No, that's the thing. (laughs) If you thought that was bad, Kenneth Branagh's Death on the Nile. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is the... the The follow-on from Murder on the Orient Express. Kenneth Branagh's done it. It's got Gal Gadot in it. I mean, it's a huge cast. Uh, That is now coming out the 11th of February, 2022. 
Oh no! Oh my god! How yeah. long was it since we had uh, that was the first one, the Midnight Murder on uh, the Orient, Orient Express? Express, yeah. That is a good that question. That was a good so, question. Uh, twenty eighteen, maybe. I'm suggesting three um, year gap then. Yeah. So Death on the Nile. The weird thing about that is it's had about five different release dates because they just kept shifting it a few months. And then they kept mm. shifting it a few more months and then a few more months. Now they've just gone, you know what? Let's just, let's just put it to next year. Let's just put it in 11 months' time. <laughs> do a big um, shift. I do we have to do this? shifts. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, oh. it's annoying that they've moved them that far. But at the same time, I certainly think those films that I've mentioned Free Guy, Shang-Chi, The King's Man, Deep Water, Death on the Nile are probably films that should be seen on the big screen. I think that's mm. the point. Something um, like Death on the Nile is not really going to date too much. Well, it's it. true. I think if you've seen the original, maybe you know what's going to happen. I mean, not to yeah, spoil it. Good um, idea. But the original what, what, yeah. has been out about 40 years. <laughs> Very um, well-known story. Yeah. I, I'm just quite surprised. You know, I kind of would have thought, certainly with Death on the Nile, maybe just pop it out on, you know, Sky Cinema or premium mm. digital download or something like that. And, and the same with Deep Water, because let's face it, while these are Disney films, they're not disney films you know disney disney princess and whatever yeah. else these are darker films um so i'm kind of surprised by that i've got to be honest pushing them that far um it's a shame yeah. but that's the way the world is at the moment and you know me and you have spoken about this is that there's going to come a point where all of a sudden we're, we're having a lot of films in a short amount of time i mean the week that black widow is released in cinemas and on disney plus friday the 9th of july already has tentatively scheduled Fast and the Furious 9. Um, there is uh, There was something else as well out that week. And they were going to just bunch uh, together, aren't they? Yeah, this is the problem. I'm going to look in my magic book. Hold on. I'm going to look in look here. In his magic book, into the gonna... mind palace of Mark Sibby. There's all <laughs> sorts of July. things in there. So at the moment, you have Black Widow. You then have Fast and the Furious 9. You have Supernova which is a Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. And you oh. also have Forever Purge, which is the new Purge film as well. So Still purging. So all four of those oh, yeah, I would class all. as big hitters. Certainly the, the Colin Firth, Stanley Tucci film, which people go, mm, I've not really heard of that. When it comes time to, you will do. Um, yeah. You know, but that's tough. That's this tough. Is I wouldn't... Be surprised to see Fast and the Furious Nine move again. Do you reckon? Possibly. Not that fast, then. Possibly. Just furious. Yeah, they're just furious. They've got to move Late it and again. Furious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so more so this release could create date changes. A little bit of a, a push to get smaller films out earlier. Do you think? As they well, go. Well, I don't see why not. There. It's a good question. Yeah, why not? Mm. Um, there's a lot of them out there. That's the thing. And hopefully they'll get a, a wider audience because people just kind of sat there going, right, cinemas are open. What are we going to see? And they go, but, um, here's the seven films that are out. And you go, okay, they're, they're not blockbusters, but hopefully people will go and see them. That's the thing. So yeah, we wait to see. Um, the week of Cinema's scheduled to be reopened, which is obviously the 17th of May. There is 13 films currently scheduled to be released in cinemas. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if you um, get that uh, that pass to go and see as many films as you like, whatever, under whatever chain they are. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You'll be, 
busy, wouldn't you? Very busy. You will, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so it just shows you, you know, the studios are ready. They're, they're like, right, let's get it out there. Let's get it first day, straight in there. Um, yeah. And then I guess we'll see what happens over the summer. Exciting. And stay tuned to Film Reviews and Movie News. We'll let you know which one's out of those 13 to, to go and see. Yes, absolutely. We've got films this week? We've got films this week, a diverse selection. A uh, real hodgepodge. Let's, uh, let's do them. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. It's Film Reviews and Movie News. Mark Searby, what we got this week? So, exclusively on Sky Cinema this week, we have a film called Six Minutes to Midnight. Um, it is set in the summer of 1939, where uh, it's the story of influential Nazis who send their daughters to a finishing school in an English seaside town to learn the, the, the English language and become ambassadors. While there, a, a teacher working at the school tries to raise the alarm, but the British authorities believe... He could be the problem. Nothing else. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Spy. Yes. Um, so James Bond meets Trinians. Oh, well, maybe not Trinians. <laughs> Dead Poet Society, maybe. Okay. Okay. Something yeah. like that. Well, actually, like do you know it. what? It's nothing like, it's nothing like that at all. <laughs> it's not quite um, as many laughs. But <laughs> yeah. Do you know, it's interesting with world war films is that we see these films you know we've covered a lot of them um that are set in certain places certain towns cities but kind of resonate around the world we've reviewed a lot of them mm. as well um because you know obviously the subject I, yeah. I, it's rare that we see a film about a certain town and it only really feel important to those who lived slash live there basically so Six Minutes to Midnight is it's kind of got a bit of an unfortunate disadvantage in that because it's set in Bexhill-on-Sea, it revolves around the school in the town and what happens at the school. So many questions will be, you know, so I think so many will question that beyond the outer World War II storyline, what is there of greater interest for us to? To, to to find interesting in this film. That's the thing, you know. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it is a British film that actually tells a story that we didn't know. I think it tells it in a very endearing manner. Its storytelling is quite relaxed. Okay. It's never yeah. above a brief piece of anger or the occasional bullet being fired. Um, instead, yeah. it is a story about infiltration, double crossing, as you said, spies as well. It's a nice film, as yeah. I said. It's set in Bixhill on Sea. Not sure how well it will translate to the wider UK and beyond yeah. that. Um, that's my my query with it. Um, but it is a nice film. That's the thing. So Dame Judy Dench plays the schoolmistress. She's perfectly fine in it. You know, it's perfectly fine. Excellent. Um, yes. James Darcy yes. plays an FBI agent. He's perfectly fine in it. Jim Broadbent plays a school bus driver he's perfectly fine in it <laughs> Great interestingly cast. eddie Izzard plays the school teacher who tries to raise the alarm she eddie. is very good in it i think it actually yeah. shows eddie's dramatic acting chops uh in in a way that we've not seen before the thing is yeah you know there's a there's a lot resting on this performance because of the film because 
Eddie is actually a co-writer of this because I think Eddie's family... Well, I, I know that Eddie is from Bexhill-on-Sea and all of his family were there as well. So I suspect this is a story that Eddie was told growing up either by his dad or or a family member or something like that and has stayed with her ever since, basically. So I think... In that regard, as I was saying to you, you know, mm. how well does it translate outside of Bexhill and Sea and, and the area? I think in that regard, to get a film made like this is quite impressive. And praise should go yeah. to Eddie for, for getting something like this made. Um, it is a small it's, film, you know. This is reminding me a little of, of films out of Valkyrie, which of course Eddie was in. Uh, yes. That, that kind of story that we never really told about. Yes. Great point. Great point. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I think praise has to go to people getting it made, certainly. Um, it, yeah. I, I think on the whole, the film is perfectly fine. It tells a story that many of us have no idea about. And yep. considering yep. how many stories you kind of think have already been told about World War Two, you well, come with a few. Yeah, there's, there's been, a, been few. a few. Yeah. You come with something fresh. You're like, okay, I'm kind of interested in this. Mm. Uh, the story's not that riveting yet i think it does just enough to keep interest rolling along mainly thanks to eddie's dramatic acting um okay as I said, yeah. you know i'm really impressed with with her in this i thought great fantastic because normally sort of comedic roles to be honest and you can you can understand that yeah um, but that's, that's the this bread is and straight down the line dramatic acting perfectly good perfectly fine Fair film up. perfectly Fine viewing for a, a Saturday afternoon or something like that. Okay. Afternoon film. Nice bit of wartime history. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's a nice way of putting it. Wartime history, Saturday afternoon, perfectly fine. One the kids can watch? Was no, 12, no, 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 no. Uh, Quite. Yeah, I mean, I know obviously it's set at the school and there's a, there's a story about the kids and whatever else. But no, it's quite dark. Fair enough. Um, in its storytelling um and as i said there there are a few bullets flying about here and there so maybe not one for the kids no okay adults where is this available so this is exclusively on sky cinema sky cinema nice excellent what else we got so on digital download a film that um had been getting a lot of notices at film festivals last year, film festival, online film festivals, obviously, um, and came with a, a lot of, uh, oh, it's a great film, it's fantastic, one of the best films of the year. We have a film called Ammonite. Oh, Ammonite. So, yeah, so this is, is set in 1840s England. It's about a claimed but overlooked fossil hunter, Mary Anning, and a young woman sent to convalesce by the sea. They develop an intense relationship, altering both of their lives forever. Oh, sounds like you and me. Ha! I'm not sure we're into <laughs> fossils. Are you into fossils? I mean, uh, well, I've met Scott Ross a few times, but um, not... Uh, <laughs> oh, bless him. <laughs> oh, um, we love Scott Ross. The thing is with this film, it comes with a lot of heft. As I said, you know, it's already got a lot of great notices out of... Uh, festivals last year. Mary Anning was a real person. Her work in paleontology was unrivaled. And she was kind of a pioneer in that field. I say kind of. She was Ooh. a pioneer in that field. Yeah. But she was on the outside of that field. It was a very much a men-only society that didn't want to include her work. And as is shown in the film, they wrote over her name when discoveries no. were put on display. Oh. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, Damn. as I said, this comes with a lot of heft. So I think, you know, making a biopic of Annan would be a tough ask. Mm. Writer-director Francis Lee has honed in on a certain time period and made the story solely about repression, basically. So Annan, okay. who lives with her alien mother in Lyme Regis, is a spinster, for want of a, want of a better term. Um, okay, yeah. She pretty much prefers rocks than emotions that come with relationships. <laughs> That is until Charlotte arrives with her husband. Uh, Charlotte is left to get better by the sea, as I said, and, and, and you know, uh, Mary Anning is there as well to help her. These are two very different people, yet over time they both come to understand the other's lifestyle and perspective. This leads to a very set, a complicated set of feelings for Mary Anning, basically. Now, what the film tries to do is hold back on Anning's feelings and desires. As such, I think it comes across more as like an eternal bond friendship storyline, which okay. is not really well, what the story... Yeah, it's for. not really what they're going for. Because what we should be witnessing is the, the, the leashes are being strained, the pains of desire, you know. But I never felt that with this film. I just felt it was a rather average friendship relationship storyline going on. I will say that both Sasa Ronan and Kate Winslet are perfectly cast. There's no problem there. I yes, think they're Sarsa both very good at the. Uh, they, they are the, absolutely. The era film. They're very good at period dramas, both of them. I think yeah. Sasa Ronan brings some energy to Charlotte, which is really needed in the film. Um, she is there with her London ways and her openness <laughs> about her sexuality compared to Mary Anning. However, yeah. I, I, I think it's Kate oh, I think it's Kate Winslet who really stands out in this film. It's a magnificent performance. You get a lot of emotion riding throughout it in terms mm. of trying to understand the character. There's times where it feels like Kate Winslet is holding this film up on her own because she delivers such meaningful scenes. I mean, especially when she's struggling with her desires as well. You, you really feel it like really yeah. tough stuff. Hmm. It's such a shame then that when you have two great performances, the storyline as a whole doesn't burn as bright as what we're seeing with them two. And by the time it gets to the unleashing of desires, it feels too late i've got to be honest far oh. too late um yeah. i think this is a film that needed to do more with its characters than what it really does i liked it i just didn't love it as much as the word was coming out of film festivals last year and yeah. i compare it to films that have done this type of storyline before and i don't think it is anywhere near as good as something like blue is the warmest color um, it, it just doesn't do that. I will say this, the, um, the nudity scenes are incredibly steamy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I will Fair say enough. that, um, shot beautifully as well. The cinematography is fantastic in this. I yeah. just couldn't get away from the fact that I'm like, yeah, it's okay, but I've seen so much better. And it sh it should have been better. It should have been so much better. Yeah. Oh, shame. You've got a great cast and they're, they're doing their, their best. Yeah, as I said, the, it's the storyline. The story line. It's, itself. It doesn't have yeah. enough emotion to make it feel like that they want to be together as lovers rather than just friends. 
She's reminded me a bit of a uh, portrait of a lady on fire, which came Love out that film. recently. Oh, that, what? That kind of vibe. What a film. What a film. Yeah, I think Portrait of a Lady on Fire is probably the high watermark. I should have mentioned it earlier, rather than blue is the warmest colour, um, is the high watermark. Yeah. This, this doesn't really get anywhere near it, to be honest. Oh, shame. So you have to, have to dig a little deeper. No. Oh, oh, oh. That'd be a that'd be a fossil gag somewhere. There. We got uh, two more films to go. Uh, another war. Well, actually, both war based on. Yeah, I they are. Like they this. are. And before we go into a record, I'm going to ask you this question, and for everybody yeah. listening as well, what was the highest grossing film of 2020 worldwide? <sighs> oh, we'll find out after the break. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Film reviews and movie news. It's Film Reviews and Movie News with me, Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Mark, a reminder of the question that we you posed everybody during the break. What was the highest grossing film at the global box office in 2020? Okay. Was it your favourite film? of 2020 Eurovision the story of Fire Saga <laughs> it wasn't no, <laughs> no. no I'll be honest you're nowhere near damn it's, uh, you liked it so much as well you must be disappointed <laughs> <laughs> no it's not no no, oh. no. Um, okay it's not that um, I might have one more guess go on, one, go on. One, one more guess one more guess is it Trolls well, no, it's not. Oh, you know, that's a good be. question. That's a good answer. That is a good answer. It's I not. Seem to just do it, beat every record in every book, that film. <laughs> it's a good answer, but it's not right. And no. oh. the answer is I'm going to tell you after we do Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh the tension here. You should do. Uh, I'll be Chris good Tarrant's on a quiss show, wouldn't I? Yeah. I'll be good on that. But yeah. we don't want to give you that. We'll, yeah. we'll find out after the break. Yeah. Oh, so oh. we'll do that answer in oh. a moment. Um, let's talk about Wonder Woman 1984, which you still haven't seen after me raving about it when oh, it came I out. Know. You know, it's almost like you're busy. I, I mean, come on, really? Oh, what else is going on? Really? Exactly. I mean, exactly. it's absolutely no hardship to watch Gal Gadot in, in this. But... <laughs> Um, well, it's funny you say that. You're saying Gal Gadot, but, you know, look, let's be honest. Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Kirsten Wig, Pedro Pascal. I mean, that's four good looking people already. That there. Is, Maybe that's why you haven't yeah. seen it, because you just will watch it and go, <laughs> I'm so ugly. I'm like the just elephant man. feel inadequate man. in the world. <laughs> yeah. I'm like the elephant man looking at this film. Um, <laughs> it's a hell of a cast, isn't it? It is. It is it's such a great cast. You scroll it's, down here. It's a beautiful. It's, it is. That's oh. the thing. Like everybody in it yeah. is beautiful. I mean, God. I can't believe it. Honestly, they've just gone get the beautiful people in, and they've gone. Okay, yes, we'll watch <laughs> that film. Um, Can you imagine I being mean, in this audition room? Oh, could you imagine? Oh, oh. Sorry about my bad looks. I hope Ray I hope Winston I've... turned up as well. Just for <laughs> <it. laughs> um, look. Joking aside. <laughs> It's now on DVD and Blu-ray, so anybody who didn't see it at the cinema or on uh, paid streaming when it came out uh, earlier this year, it's, it's now out. Um, there's a really good joke in this, about 15 minutes in, which I, nobody has seen apart from me. I feel like I'm the only person who's spotted this. So oh. Barbara Minerva, who is working with Diana Prince, um, is, is out walking. She talks to a homeless man. He, he's reading a book. 
And the title of the book, I can give it away now, actually. I think it's fair to fair to do it, to be honest, because most people didn't get the joke. So the book is Waiting for Godot, okay? Okay, yeah. Right. So obviously there's the in-joke there with Gal Gadot. However, yeah. there's also the joke about, well, it's not a joke, but also it's obviously the reference to the actual uh, play as well, where they're waiting for um, a, a god to turn up. Basically, like, ah, uh, yes, yes, and she okay. is basically a god. So it kind of parallels the film that's going on here, which is some that you know, we have this oil baron, Max Lord, who's trying to take over the world and everything else that goes with it. Mm. The reason I bring that book up is because it's the small things in this film that I think make end up making the bigger things even better and better than yeah. its predecessor. I like the first film, I, in fact, I love the first film, I think it's great. Um, this one. Uh, I, I think is bigger. It's a bigger spectacle. Like when it opens, it opens on this huge like Olympic Games thing taking place on Theramaskaya and it's just huge. Then what happens after that, we we get um, uh, a flash forward to 1984. Diana Prince is still struggling because Steve Trevor has died. Um, and, you know, look, let's face it, Steve Trevor comes back. We've all seen it in the trailer and whatever else. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not giving anything away, to be honest. The way he comes back, ooh, um, I'm not really sure it's, mm. it's very well to, written. Suspend your thoughts on Suspend your, your belief in how Steve Trevor comes back and just kind of go with it is probably the best thing I can say because it is a yeah. little bit of an eye roller. You're like, oh, really? Is this what we're okay. doing? But hey, whatever. Look, as long yeah, as you get... Fine. Hollywood. As long as you get Chris Pine back in, it's absolutely fine. Because after that, <laughs> what we get is this action adventure that, as I'd said before, kind of reminded me of uh, the Indiana Jones films. I yes. The, oh, okay. There is a lot of jumping and running and rolling and lassoing and whatever both else. have a lasso, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was great. The action is great. Uh, the mid-scene... Mid uh, it. It's about an hour in, something like that, where there's a car chase where Wonder Woman really shows her powers. I mean, that knocked me out. I thought it was fantastic, brilliant. That's what you want to see when you're seeing something like this. As I said, bigger than the first one. That really mm. got me. Um, I've got to say, it looks fantastic as well. The cinematography is absolutely amazing. It's got this rich color palette of blues and yellows and reds. Um, the landscape looks fantastic as well. Um, you know, thinking about it, Compare the beauty in this film, as in to look at. Not I'm not talking about the people in it. I'm talking about the cinematography. If you can look compare past the people, this if you can manage to that. Zack Schneider's Justice League, and it's night and day, literally yeah. night and day, literally. Um, it's just dark versus. Colour. It is. That's the thing. I mean, I would happily sit through the background footage of Wonder Woman 1984. It was that beautiful. I really will say. Um, mm. I think the two bad people in the film, Pedro Pascal's Max Lord is like a maniacal genius, you know, the crazy scientist who wants to do the things and whatever else. And it's sort of, yeah. a, it's sort of a bit Frankenstein-ish as well. It's fun. He's really fun as well. Hams it up spectacularly. Really nice. good fun. Opposite end of scale, that. Kristen Wiggs, Barbara, shy, geeky scientist who turns into uh, a social butterfly and becomes something else well becomes the cheater basically because that's in the trailer um mm. i think my, my only concern as well and, and i've seen this film three times now is that i still feel like the cheater is given a short shrift 
Like they're building up to it and building up to it and building up to it. And then it feels like it's over too quickly. Okay. That was a little my... bit edited out there. Too. I, I don't know. I mean, look, I don't want a, I don't want an extended director's cut at any point. Um, <laughs> Four hour. Four hour I, special. Yeah, I don't yeah. need that. I'll be honest. Got one of them um, already. I would have liked to have seen what Kristen Wiig would have done with the cheetah a bit more. I've got to be honest. Um, mm. I felt cheated. a little bit shortchanged, but hey. Small, small issue aside, I, I, yeah. look, let's face it. It's very simple. If you like the first one, you're going to like this one. It's that easy. Great stuff. Don't know what else I can say, really. Um, yeah. Thoroughly wonderful. Yeah. No, that's a terrible pun. No. <laughs> I mean, it is. Oh, but, dear. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Oh, I can't think of anything better. Well, I'm, I'm Gal Gadot's here, and what else? <laughs> oh, tongue-tied and everything. Brilliant film. I'll have to. I'll have to watch it. Where is it available? It's on DVD now. So I DVD, can... Blu-ray, 4K. Obviously now it's still on paid streaming. Um, so it's it's basically everywhere, bar cinemas now. Um, so there's no would... excuse for you not to watch this. To be honest. And you can watch it twice in the time it would take you to watch Zack and Snyder's Justice League. Yes, yes. Yeah. Hey, what we'll go next. What's our last Right, film? so the question. What was the highest grossing film <laughs> at the global box office during 2020? I'm going to give you the answer now. Okay, okay. I said Trolls, no. I said Eurovision, Story of Fire Saga. You said no, I disagree. But what? what is the highest grossing film of 2020? The 800... The 800? Now, you see, that's going to be the reaction to most Deep. people. The 800. Ooh. Okay, so <laughs> this, <laughs> so this hey. is a, a war film. It's uh, set in 1937 where 800 Chinese soldiers fought under siege from a warehouse in the middle of the Shanghai battlefield, completely surrounded by the Japanese army. Ooh. So the 800 pulled in nearly $500 million worldwide. Wow, that is a pretty good day. It's it? pretty good, and That's not some bad. of that came from the UK because it did get a cinema release here. Ah, yeah, I was going to say this. This is presumably more from elsewhere than it than was. The UK. Yes, yes, from uh, from Asia, certainly. Um, yes, yeah. uh, I mean five hundred oh, million. Wow. That's a huge, a huge taking, considering most countries had their cinemas closed for most of the year. To be honest, yeah. Um, Yes, just looking here, most of the take-ins for the 800 came from China because cinemas were fully open there, basically. However, mm. part of me suspects that this would have done pretty well around the world if cinemas had been open anyway because it is an epic war movie. The, the opening hour is a relentless onslaught of the fight between the Chinese and the Japanese, culminating with these soldiers being trapped in this huge warehouse, basically. It's such a thrilling opening third of the film. We're introduced to so many characters, yet none of them seem superficial. They all feel like they could be the central character in the film. And I mm. found the inside of the warehouse scenes quite emotional as well, because these guys are pinned back. They're, they're stuck in there. They're trying to fight. And it's a tough watch during some of these portions because, you know, they've got nowhere to go. They can't run away. They're, they're yeah. all forced pinned into this building. In. But that's kind of how it should be. You should feel the emotion for it. And the film isn't shying away from anything in its depiction of war. It's quite brutal. Yeah. I will say that. Oh, I've seen the trailer. This puts Saving Private Ryan in it. Yes. Yeah, it's well overtaken. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, now, interestingly, in this film, there is a juxtaposition going on because the warehouse 
is just across the river from where the glamour and the glitz of Shanghai takes place. So we see many different ethnicities all stand around on the waterfront watching the, the gun battle take place just over the other side. They're all wearing silks wow. and smart suits and embroidered dresses, all while laughing and joking and, you know, oh, look, they're shooting again and all of that. It is a world away from what oh is God. happening, literally 20 yards in front of them across the other side of the river. I have never seen a film throw in a storyline like that before. No. It's like The Hunger Games. Yeah. Oh, that's like a really good point. Yes. Yeah, it kind of is. It's really well put together. I think it works very, very well here. Um, such an interesting idea. Um, now, the film is two and a half hours. Okay. Right. Okay, yeah. I do that's think doable. It, it sort of loses its way towards the end a bit because we get some backstory on the Chinese-Japanese war. Mm. That's where it gets a little bit baggy. Like, is it going okay, a little okay. bit too long? You're kind of like, look, yeah. can we get back to the warehouse and whatever else? However, what I will say is when this film is on point, which is most of its runtime, easily over two hours, it is a hugely impressive war film. I mean, epic in every yeah. single way. You know, I, I think it's one of the best war films I've seen in recent years. This looks like they've taken 1917 and they've gone, let's make it massive and uh, submerge a million people in a scene rather than just yes. two. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. It's absolutely all of that. It's it's so many things. It really is. As I said, just the, the idea that you have this war story going on and then just across the river, not 20 yards away, you have yeah. the rich people standing there watching, laughing at you know, the the death and destruction going on. Um, it's it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And as I said, brilliant. So this is a Asian film. Uh, do we need to know much of the backstory of the, their part of the war? To, I to didn't. No? And I have to say, I didn't feel like I had lost out on anything. There may okay. be some bits in there that some people might be able to fill me in and say, well, you know, look, this is relating to that. But I have to say, I didn't feel any of that. And because of the backstory that happens about nearly two hours in, you do get a lot more information on it. Um, yeah. But I didn't feel like I needed to have Wikipedia open to find stuff out <laughs> while I'm watching Google it. history. Yeah. Um, no, I, I thought there was enough in this film to keep me interested and to give me the history lesson that i needed yeah and you wouldn't want to take your eyes off the screen anyway no absolutely not oh absolutely just the poster not. looks incredible yeah that's the thing even the poster is fantastic um but the rest of it is brilliant as well as i said for me probably one of the best war films of the past few years nice this is the 800 uh available on DVD, DVD and Blu-ray. I would. Oh, sorry. At the moment, it's just on DVD. It's getting a Blu-ray release in a couple of weeks. Ah, okay. Yes. If you want to go full. If you want to go full, you know, loud and noise and visuals. Obviously, the Blu-ray is the way forward. Nice. What have we got to look forward to on the telly box this weekend, Mark? So, um. I've gone for a couple of adult films. Well, one's a film, one's a documentary. So on Saturday night at 10.20pm on BBC One, we have Fatal Attraction, the oh, Michael well, Douglas, Glenn Close um, thriller, sexual thriller that yeah. arguably still is 
um, as scary today as it was when it was released. Um, I had not seen this in years. And then I watched it over Christmas again. And I was blown away by how it still works. Like none of it feels like mm. it's like it's aged that's the thing i mean the only thing that's aged really is probably the outfits that you know there's a few <laughs> large shoulder yeah, the pads. hair is a bit yeah the hair's a bit yeah. but i have <laughs> to say the rest of it i felt like if they'd have made it now it would still be heralded as a really really good thriller like a really tense mm. thriller um yeah, I'm, but I'm surprised that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who have not seen Fatal Attraction, but are aware of it. It's in the subconscious. It's in the pop culture. You know, it's in the mainstream, but I've never seen the film. So now yeah. you can see the film. It's It's got a rare uh, BBC out in um, 10.20 p.m. It needs to be that late because it is a bit raunchy. Oh, yes. yes. Um, but yeah, you can watch it. You know, I mean. Michael Douglas, we've spoken about Michael Douglas before when we reviewed the game. And I said to you, brilliant actor, even better producer. Mm. I just think that he went through and made so many amazing films in the 80s and 90s um, and some in the noughties and the 10s as well. Here we go. Might as well just say his whole catalogue, to be honest. <laughs> he's he's um, been good consistently. Yeah. yeah, he's been good consistently. He just never gets a lot of the, the plaudits anymore, mm. which is a shame. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is one of, obviously, this is one of his greatest roles. And Glenn Close too, as well. You know, Glenn Close, fantastic in this. So yes. um, Saturday night. 10.20pm on BBC One. Nice. And it will put you off the uh, the thought of doing whatever Michael Douglas is doing in this film. Yes. For yes. life. Yes. Yes. And we didn't mention rabbits, which is great. Yeah. Oh, oh no. I know. I know. It's all right. All right, right. You, quickly move on. You tell us what's next. I'm going to go and check on Tiddles. <laughs> so Sunday, 9pm on Sky Documentaries is the UK premiere of Tina, which is the Tina Turner documentary. Tina. Which, oh, yeah. Yes, yes. So I've got to say, this is um, this is made by the uh, producers who did uh, the documentary about Whitney, Whitney Houston, and also Searching for Sugarman. So they know people who work in the industry. They're known musicians. They know how to make a documentary. I've got mm. to say, I found this documentary absolutely fascinating because, yes, there is talk of obviously her and Ike and um, the physical abuse that she went through, the mental abuse she went through as well. However, yeah. there is also a lot of talk about how she came through that the other side and uh, revitalized everything about herself, basically her life, her career, um, everything else. It's, it's a really good documentary. I think it gets just about everything you want to know about Tina Turner through it as well. Um, it's mm. nice to see her in there as well, because obviously, I don't know if you know, she's retired now. Um, oh, so is she? she? Yeah, oh, she's yeah. retired. She lives in Switzerland. Um, nice place to live. Yeah, it's just, it's a really good documentary. Really, it goes quite in depth as well. It doesn't shy away from, obviously, the the troubles that she had to deal with in her life as well. Um, yeah. I'm really impressed with this. Really impressed with that. I really like it. As I said, made by the people who did Whitney and Searching for Sugar Man, so they already know how to craft together a very well-made documentary about music superstars. And I think Good they've say. done it again here. They were simply the best. Oh! 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 Where's this? Where, when is this one? Where? where? 9pm Sunday on Sky Documentaries. Nice. We love a documentary. Do nice. love a documentary. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I have to make one about us. What uh, we got to look forward to next week? Mom? Well, speaking of documentaries, we're actually going to do a documentary next week. Oh, we? yeah. Ooh, There's a documentary ooh. on Amazon Prime called The Dissident. We're going to be talking about that. We're oh. also going to be talking about um, a film called The Mauritanian, 
which Jodie Foster won her recent award for, actually her performance in it. We're going to be talking about the new Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley film, Chaos Walking, and on DVD and Blu-ray, we're going to be talking about Disney Pixar's Soul. Soul. Excellent. You bring the soul to your radio on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> Excellent. I look forward to a soulful experience next week. Oh, I like it. Oh. Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Thanks for listening to Film Reviews and Movie News. Every Friday, we lift the curtain on cinema with the big movie news of the week, reviews of the latest cinema, DVD and on-demand film releases, plus a few weekly TV picks too. We've been doing this podcast for years now, and you can catch up on all of our episodes on Phoenix FM or if you search for film reviews and movie news wherever you get your podcasts from, or go to stuartpink.com wordpress.com and we'll do this all again next week with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby Film Reviews and Movie News